This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today on CityCast Madison. It's the Friday News Roundup. This week, I'm joined by CityCast Madison's Haley Sperling. Madison Metro says it has a handle on reports of bedbugs on its buses. A bipartisan bill would require candidates and political groups to disclose whether AI-generated content is used in campaign ads. And we have listener picks for their favorite buildings in Madison. It's Friday, November 3rd. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. So no one told you the news was going to be this way. Your schedule is packed, the world is whack, your attention span is MIA. It's like you need a helpful review of the local news, so you can be an informed citizen every day, every week, every month, whatever you choose. Because the Great Friday Roundup will be there for you through winter, spring, summer, and fall. The Great Friday Roundup will be there for you from the Capitol to campus to City Hall. The Great Friday Roundup will be there for you, even when these parody intros hit a wall. Bianca Martin and the share of this here podcast, Molly Stents, are both on assignment this week. But we do have the newsletter Nagus, the in- inbox informer, empress of emails, Haley Sperling. Hey, Haley. Hello, Dylan. All right, you're kicking us off this week with some news about Madison Metro. Yes, I hope you're not listening to this podcast in bed right now because we've got some bad news. Metro found some bed bugs on a bus, on on a bus, on a bus. So Metro said they found two, quote unquote, confirmed sightings of bugs. So that means that they, they spotted these bugs on two separate occasions in these past couple of months. But we just found out about it in this past week. So here. It's kind of like just a quick timeline of events as provided by WKOW. They did a little roundup. So back in September, a driver suspected that he found a bed bug in the sleep room of the Madison Metro Administrative Building, which is over on Eastwash. It was not confirmed. The room was also treated that same day. Then later that week, September 22nd, a mechanic found one on a bus Uh, That sighting was confirmed and also treated the same day. On September 27th, a driver suspected they found one in the sleep room again. No confirmation. They called for an inspection. They closed the room. Then in October on the 4th, they brought a dog in to do a little inspection for the bugs because I guess that's how they, they sniff them out with dogs. And they confirmed three locations in the building, but no visuals of bugs. So, like, the dog kind of, like, picked up on something. Then the following day, those areas were treated. Uh, And then later, on October 24th, a mechanic found one again on a bus. That was confirmed and then again treated on October 25th. So, it has been a long process of finding and sniffing out these bed bugs in 
Madison Metro. Yeah, I can't believe that we have a- there are dogs just locally that sniff them out. Kind of fun fact of this all this whole thing. I have not read too much into like these dogs. I don't know where they come from, but if you've got a bed bug sniffing dog, I'd like to talk to them. I'm also curious as to why and maybe you know this, Dylan, why Metro would have a sleep room because the buses don't run 24 hours, you know? Like, yeah, I would love a nap room, but why Why do they have that? Well, I bet you they're fixing them and cleaning them and getting them ready 24-7 because there's a lot of maintenance that has to go into it. And you got to feel a little bad for Madison Metro, right? Because this could have happened anywhere, right? Yes. And that's the thing. I, I, and I feel really bad for Metro. Like, I... Part of me feels bad, you know, that we're really even talking about this on the podcast. You know, like, I don't want to blow this up into a big news story because, like, this isn't like a massive infestation or anything like that. You know, like, they found, like, visually, whatever it means, visually confirmed two bugs. If you don't know, they're just small, wingless insects that like to bite humans and they feast on our blood, often at night. And they find us by using the carbon dioxide in our breath and our body heat. Yeah. So that's why you'll often find them like buried in sheets because they like it where it's warm. They can carry a large number of pathogens, but they have not actually been known to transmit diseases to humans, which I think is really important to note. So like, yes, if you get bit by a bed bug, like you're going to get like a little itchy welt. It's going to be not pleasant, of course, but you're not going to get the plague. You know, it's not one of those type of situations. They're like the predator just seeking out blood. I guess they're hunting for you in the shadows, in the darkness. And this is actually a conversation I was having with your friend and mine, Madison Minutes co-founder Sam Hoisington, about how, like, we're probably going to see a lot more stories like this as climate change continues to progress and, you know, places continue to warm. You know, this is not really a new problem. We did really do a good job of of eradicating um, bed bugs in the U.S. like back in the 50s because we were using these crazy chemicals that have since um, been banned. So that's that's kind of why we're probably seeing a little bit of a resurgence because um, we don't use those chemicals anymore. But also, you know, more people are mobile, more people are traveling and bed bugs like to travel with people. So you'll often find them in hotel rooms and places like that. Uh, So one thing to do like if you do find yourself in a hotel room and you're worried about bed bugs is to always check your sheets, check the little creases, the folds, you know, look for anything that is like rust colored because that could be like a shell of a bed bug or a poop from a bed bug, which is pretty gross. But also like, you know how hotels, they give you those little stands to put your suitcases on. Like that's not just because they're trying to be fancy. It's so you can keep your stuff off the ground where there might be bugs and stuff and and keep it all separate. Yeah. And it sounds like Mass and Metro is taking this seriously. I mean, like you said, two bugs found. They treated everything. They quarantined. Another thing that they added that, you know, they haven't had any passengers call in to report that they found a bed bug on them or anything like that. So we will keep you updated. But yes, that's that's very true. It does not. Again, it does not seem to be a widespread issue. I do not want to cause panic among the people of Madison. But like they say, if you see something, say something. If you see a bed bug (laughs) on the bus, Metro Metro genuinely wants to know about it. So reach out to them online. Well, can you imagine like you could see this uh, 
a staffer, I don't know, uh, at the Capitol, and then all those leather chairs in the Senate or whatever just have to be burned. <laughs> burned down the Capitol for a third time in Wisconsin history? I think that is the third time. We could do it. Let's, you know, let's spice things up. <laughs> I like how that's the final solution. Well, sorry, everyone. We just need to burn the Capitol to the ground to get rid of the bedbugs. I think I think people would be like, yes, I understand. I don't want bed bugs. Burn it down. All right. Before we dive into any more news, let's just take a quick break. So, Haley, there is a bill that was introduced recently at the Capitol. It's a bipartisan bill, something we don't see too often. And it seems to be recognition of a what could be a big problem nationally in the 2024 election, and that is AI-generated audio, photos, and videos being used in political campaign ads. Mm, the internet is coming for us. The bill would require a disclosure, like the whole time in a this AI, they call it synthetic media. That's a new term for me. Synthetic media is used in a political ad, whether it's a campaign or whether it's a political action committee, that they have to like, you know, like a dateline, how they had dramatization, like whenever they're. Yes. Yes. It has to be like that kind of disclosure on the ad. But, you know, it, it seems like, oh, is this really a problem? And hey, we've already seen examples of this, most notably from the like Florida Governor Ron DeSantos presidential campaign. They ran an ad that used AI generated images in which President Donald Trump was hugging Dr. Anthony Frouchy. What? Ron DeSantis is really making a big deal about his response to COVID and how much better his was than the rest of the nation, I guess. But so he wanted to make President Trump look bad. Of course, what do you do by have him hugging Dr. Anthony Fauci, spokesperson of the pandemic response for the nation? It's like, what do you what do you do to make yourself look better is to make up a lie and then put it on television. Yes. Like what? <laughs> So there was a WPR story about it, and they quote this professor of law and information from the University of Washington, and he says, all you need is someone who is unscrupulous in politics. Can you imagine that? I'm, I, <laughs> Dylan, I can't. I simply can't. <laughs> he goes on to say, you just need a person who's willing to take totally off the shelf, easy to use tools and depict a politician, a candidate doing or saying something that they never did. And you could see why maybe a presidential candidate or an official candidate's committee wouldn't um, necessarily do this. But we have all these political action committees. They're not supposed to be coordinating or anything. They could easily just do it. So this this is um, a statewide effort to at least have a disclosure on there that what you're seeing is synthetic media or completely made up. I think this is a huge step in the right direction and kind of shockingly yeah, coming too. from our state legislature, which is something that I really don't say often. One, we love to see the bipartisanship. And two, like the question of AI for me as a journalist is is one that I'm thinking of, you know, often. Like I want to help people consume quality and informative media. So I'm really glad that our lawmakers are stepping up and doing something about it. Like I think this is so important because also like this is this makes things a lot easier for people to understand like okay this image is ai generated that means it's not real so I, it comes out to hopefully you, you can inform people then on what ai is artificial intelligence and that it is not real it, it is fake it is synthetic i have a lot of weird feelings about that term um synthetic, synthetic media, media. Yeah. 
I think in a way, all media is kind of synthetic. Anyways, that's that's a whole conversation for another day. Um, but I do think this is a step in the right direction. Well, you can see how you can make it look very real. And like, so Representative Adam Nylon, um, a Republican for Pewaukee, he's a co-author of the bill. He said, we're not looking to score political points, but we're looking at this to help maintain the integrity of our election system and make sure that what people see and hear when it relates to elections is real and verifiable. So- that's huge. That's good. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is good. Um, So, but you know, this AI generated footage doesn't necessarily have to be used for negative campaign ads like DeSantos Hmm. trying to go after Trump with it. Um, It could be used for positive ads, right? We all believe, uh, I like this bill where you put a disclosure on it, but you want to hear my ideas for political candidates for how AI footage could be used positive in positive campaign ads. Okay. All right. This one is for the Joe Biden campaign. So, AI footage of President Joe Biden at the Dane County Regional Airport. He disembarks from Air Force One without falling, and then he does a a cartwheel on the tarmac. (laughs) A cartwheel into uh, Satya Rhodes Conway's arms. (laughs) Just jumps right in there. See, that'd be a positive campaign ad using AI footage. All right, another one would be an AI footage of potential Republican Senate candidate Eric Hovde living in the state of Wisconsin. Oh, got him. All right, maybe we need some letter grades on this one. All right, this one's a little rough. AI footage of the Dane County Board approving Representative Sheila Stubbs' appointment to the Health and Human Services post. That's that's an A-plus for a deep county cut right there. <laughs> All right, how about AI footage of uh, GOP Congressman Derek Van Orden single-handedly ending the war in the Middle East? Uh, I'm pretty sure that already exists somewhere, and I think he made it himself. Uh, me too. All right. Uh, AI footage of Senator Tammy Baldwin shooting a wolf that's about to kill uh, a Wisconsin farmer's livestock. And then some F-35s just fly over in the shape of an American flag. Oh, dear God. Oh, my God. That's going to haunt my dreams. <laughs> and for Tammy Baldwin's head, only Union AI will be used on that one. Only pure Wisconsin Union AI. Uh, all right. One last one. So the AI footage of Donald Trump teaching Packers quarterback Jordan Love how to improve his passing accuracy. Got to get one from the sports boys in there. All right. You're pretty kind with those, but those are my ideas for AI uh, generated positive campaign ads. So yeah, you speaking of like just responses, we got some good ones from our favorite Madison Buildings episode from listeners um, that I posted this week. Everyone should check it out. We had some fun takes there. So yeah, well, um, you want to read this one from Alex? Yes, I do. So Alex wrote in to say, quote, I can totally get behind dunking on the buildings that are on East Wash, especially the Constellation and the Galaxy and those weird condos with the garage doors that are behind them on Mifflin. Yes, side note. If you live in one of those, I would love to talk to you. I have so many questions. Back to Alex. That said, I think we're ignoring the fact that Hotel Indigo is actually a kind of pretty building. that, And it shouldn't count because it's still under construction. But the new space for the Madison Youth Symphony looks like it's going to be really cool. And not to mention all the timber building that's getting put where the old boss meadery was. Uh, Alex says, I'm just here crossing fingers that East Wash gets prettier. And you know what, Alex? Like, you are so right. Yeah, you and Molly were very negative about the billings on East Wash. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, I spend a lot of time over on East Wash because, you know, CityCast, we work out of Starting Block, which is in the AmFam building right by the Sylvie. And so yesterday when I was walking into the office, I was just kind of like looking around to be like, does this really suck as much as I said it does? And I looked over at Hotel Indigo and I'm like, this is kind of a nice place. And and the construction that was being done, 
it does have, I think it has a little bit more character to it than the other side of the street. The youth symphony orchestra building that's being built, I think it's going to be really good. Like, I think that is like, it's really cool. If we did like a cool new buildings next year when that's like done, like, yeah, like that's going to be top of the list because it looks super cool. So, yes, no, Alex, you are so right. We, we could spend a whole hour and a half just talking about the buildings on East Wash. And honestly, I would kind of love to because even you go the other direction toward the Capitol, there's also another new apartment building there called the Continental. And that one doesn't look anything like the standard or lyric or constellation or whatnot. Um, it's like big stone kind of gives me that like bigger old city vibe, um, which I really like. And uh, it costs like $2,000 a month to live in a studio there. So it's never going to happen. But anyways, looks cool. At least it looks it looks cool. At least it's a tall building that looks cool. It doesn't look like it's going to fall apart in the next 20 minutes if a strong gust of wind comes through. <laughs> so okay. Yes, Alex, I would love to talk more about Eastwash. You are so right. So we had a listener, Sue, and she told us that she really likes the Findorf corporate headquarters, which is over, it's kind of by WORT off of John Nolan on North Shore Drive. And that is a really cool building and makes sense. Findorf, big construction company, they they built themselves a nice, beautiful headquarters made of brick. It is a cool building. Have you seen it? I have seen it. It took me a while to figure out like what you were talking about. But yeah, it is just that building right off of John Nolan. And I think that area gets a little bit buried. There is some like other new construction over there, too, in terms of like housing. That's um, that's not super ugly. I've got a couple of friends that live in those buildings, and I think they're pretty nice in there. We also have Liz. I think she might be a librarian, but why don't you read that one? So Liz, who loves the podcast, says that they were super surprised for when we were talking about new buildings that we did not mention Central Library. So Liz works at the library, but thinks that this building is one of Madison's best, especially a great remodel. And I I honestly agree. There are holes in the walls of the library um, that are meant to evoke the lakes. The third floor ceiling is something to be seen. The views from the library are amazing, and that is very true. Uh, they really prioritized outdoor light for guests. And yeah, it's, it is a really beautiful building. I would love to talk about the Central Library just in itself and like the public art, that big question mark on the side of it because that, that kept, caught my attention when I was a student. I was like, this is a cool place. Madison is kind of fun. I like this building yeah. and it's the library. Uh, yeah, Liz, thank you just for mentioning that because I, I think even after we recorded that building episode, we were like, oh yeah, that library remodel was the best. I think it won awards and stuff. I mean, they did a great job with it. So, so yes, we also had Susan. Uh, she agreed with me about the, the Quisling Terrace Apartments and the Tower Building over on Wisconsin Avenue being some cool Art Deco buildings. And she also said about your pick about the federal courthouse, every lawyer I know refers to the big red chandelier at, at the entrance of the Kastenmeyer U.S. courthouse as the big screw, which is fitting, of course, because it's a federal courthouse. I love that. A little play on words from from lawyers. I love that. So clearly, we have a lot of thoughts on Madison buildings, and I think we need to revive this conversation. We've got more, more to say. There are clearly more places that we need to talk about. If you think there's a good building in Madison, send it our way, because I would love to take a peek. Indeed. All right. Well, let's definitely do that episode in the future. Haley Sperling, thank you for joining me on the Roundup today. Dylan, thank you for having me. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. 
Bianca Martin is your host. We're produced by AKL Moment, Alexandra McMahon, Molly Stentz, and me, Dylan Brogan. Our theme music is by Carl Christensen. You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox by subscribing to Madison Minutes, written by newsletter editor Haley Sperling. And if you enjoyed today's show, why not share this podcast with someone who hasn't seen a bed bug but does have a bee in their bonnet? See you back here Monday morning with more news from around the city. Until then. <laughs>